Okay. Welcome to Heavy Matters episode 32 with myself, Joey, and my longtime crab, crab collaborator, Benny, who uh, is joining us as always from uh, Edinburgh. Been a long time since we recorded, so it's Easter Sunday, it's God's Day, Jesus Saves, and we're going to record this episode right now for release in the next few days. But Mr. Ben, 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 how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good. Happy Easter to you, mate. Mm. Um, I hope you got some nice little eggs today. What did I get? I think I got a Smarties one. Did you? Yeah. It's like looking at an egg right now when I'm talking to you. <laughs> you salivating. Unwrapping <laughs> <No. laughs> my egg head. <laughs> you teed that up perfectly. Beasting. Beasting on its chocolate gooeyness. <laughs> I couldn't resist that one. It was Thanks, set mate. up. <laughs> um, but yeah, did you have any nice Easter eggs? The kids have loads. The kids had a few. Yeah, they were charged up on sugary goodness. Yeah, luckily the the wife's been working, so she's putting them to bed tonight. So I've got a guilt free night of doing the podcast. Very nice. You've earned it, mate. I'm sure. I have, and I've done a lot of painting this weekend as well, mate. Oh, what? What? Some watercolors? Paint. No, no. Uh, painting. Paint the back wall, masonry oh. paint. But it's great because um, I can just listen to music all the time. So oh, I've gone through excuse. all these albums, gone on through on a few newbies as well, which I'm sure we'll cover over the coming weeks. Yeah, I love cutting a hedge for that same reason, although you do have to listen to uh, some some basically deathcore to, to get above the uh, hedge trimmer sound. <laughs> <laughs> I think we discussed this before, actually. We have. We have. Um, okay, moving on. There's not much news. Um, the, the one bit of news I literally saw as we come on air was uh, Randy Blythe from Lamb Jay Randall Blythe. Yeah, is uh, now on Cameo as well. Do you know oh. the Cameo thing? Oh, yeah, of course yeah. you do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I told you all about it. Yeah, um, he is going to donate majority of the money to a. Re- reforestation project he's got going on, which is nice. Good are you on Cameo yet? No, Can not yet. Uh, I've lots of requests, lot of requests <laughs> about it. But I'm just too busy to get on that just as well. Dole out a few birthday messages to our <laughs> listeners. Um, and also, Gorgira are auctioning off a load of signed cool stuff for their support of the Amazon because they released oh. a new song, Amazon- Amazonia. And so I think. Uh, Joe is uh, auctioning off his guitar. Um, uh, Mario, one of his snares, and then there's Rob Trujillo from Metallica's donating. Ali from Architects is donating stuff as well. What so, a great scene we're a part of! I know, Gino, isn't it? I bloody love it. It's such yeah. a good. <laughs> Why <are you> laughing? <laughs> You're so it's so enthusiastic over that. <laughs> but no, I, I, I I agree. I just wasn't expecting that <laughs> level of enthusiasm three oh, minutes man. into the show. Uh, <laughs> no, but you are right. That is lovely what they're doing. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, tip my hat to them. Um, that's it for the news. So let's move. Oh, sorry, one more thing. We I hope you enjoyed the uh, the last show, the American Head Charge um, special and the bonus episode with Ollie Hill. <laughs> I I listened to it again the other day and possibly found it more funny when I listened to it than the time <laughs> I was actually recording it. The the level of detail is phenomenal. <laughs> 
It did have to be carefully edited, but <laughs> you know, just just uh, sliced into its own separate entity. It was uh, too it was much. Totally too much. It. <laughs> yeah, it did get sidetracked on the actual episode, so good bit. job on your Pro Tools production work. Um, right, let's crack on. This week's show, we are reviewing uh, Rob Zombie's The Lunar Injection Kool-Aid Eclipse Conspiracy. The hyena kills a disconnection, a disconnect. Sorry, and our deep cut is from Newport's finest, Skindred, and we're looking at Babylon. That's it. Get your Newport helicopters out. That's not a euphemism, <laughs> by the way. Um, so let's get stuck straight into it. Let's get into uh, Rob Zombie or Bobby Z, as his mates call him. Uh, the seventh album from the schlock master rocker. Um, you got to love Rob Zombie, haven't you? You do. You do. I One of my fondest recent memories, I'm sure you were going to talk about this, was him headlining that second stage at Download. Beautiful sunny evening. A few, we'd had a few cold ones that day. It was Saturday night, I think. Maybe, Biffy yeah. Clyro, Biffy Clyro headlining the main stage. Yes. Second stage was absolutely rammed. Gearing up for the new metal disco. Oh, we had a party, didn't we? It was so good. I've still got that video on my phone of um, us during Dragula. It just and you're right. That is the biggest crowd I've ever seen at a second stage. It was oh, all massive. Possibly Slayer on their farewell. Slayer, tour. yeah. Possibly, but yeah. that was huge. I mean, to poor Biffy Clyro, <laughs> no one really showed yeah. up there. But I felt sorry for them a little bit, but. But yeah, you, you just cannot not enjoy yourself at a Rob Zombie gig. You cannot. And again, I'm sure you're going to talk about it, but I I really like that last album they put out. So the stars aligned for me a little bit with that Bobby Zombie show um, because I really like that last album. And so hearing some of those tracks live um, at such a fun show, do you know, it's brilliant. And so that album was called, I don't know why he's now gone into massive album names, but that was the Electric Warlock Acid Witch Satanic Orgy Celebration Dispenser, which was released five years ago, 2016. Um, But you're right, there's some great live tracks off this, and this latest album, there is going to be some fantastic tracks to see live. And I mean, I, I won't say my rating just yet, but it's a good one. I say that much. <laughs> in, in the words of Lloyd Christmas, it was a good one. It was a good one. Uh, yeah, and, and to be honest, that's testament to the man. What I would say is like, and the big part of my review is, you know where you are with Bobby Z. Like, you know what you're going to get. You are going to get those B movie reference that kind of those UFO sexy monster references you're going to get that pumping industrial music but it's testament to the man that after all these years after white zombie after the rob zombie we're not just going there to see dracula being performed we are there to hear some of these new tracks and so that is actually what i kind of was thinking when i came on to review this is like oh it's another Rob Zombie album. You stick it on, you hear those B-movie samples, you know what you're going to get. But actually, I'd, maybe he doesn't get enough credit for his self-styled 
a really original, he's not ripping off anyone. He is his own entity and maybe doesn't get enough credit for it. I, I, I went full circle basically from going, it's another Rob Zombie album to thinking, actually, he's a bit of a treasure in our scene. You know, there's no one really like him. I, I 100% back you on that. I, I know exactly what you mean. And I wonder because now he's gone into like the film side of things, whether that's sort of taken the more of his time and more of his attention. And when I put this on for the first time, like you, it was, oh, there's a, a, a zombie reference or UFO or whatever, like you said. Um, and I played it through once. I was like, okay, that was average. But the more I listened to it intensely, the more, like you said, you actually realise this guy's not slowing up at all and is a gem in our scene. Yeah. And what I love, as I say, you, you think you're just going to get that that same kind of in-the-slot industrial stomp with Rob Zombie. But actually, he throws so many ideas onto that canvas. Like, he has that, I mean, he's had it before, that kind of country twang, that hellbilly deluxe kind of country twang. He has moments on this record that go in all kinds of places, that classic Americana, classic rock, some punk influences. And, yeah, I, I mean... For me, it goes in a lot of different places and each track can veer quite radically from from different. And as I say, it's not just one thing. And I think it just took me this record to appreciate, you know, he actually throws a lot to that canvas. Not all of it all the time sticks, but um, he is really pretty creative man. Yeah. And like you said, each of these tracks, like there was a load of different things going on. Like there's at some point you could be like in, a hillbilly movie with the the riffs that are going on but in three minutes he can make a song and have so many different things on it from like you said punk metal with samples on it just makes such a great listen and rob zombie does that so well in uh, and i think i agree with you when you said you didn't really appreciate him much and it, until i listened to this album and it was on shuffle sorry it was on uh, spotify and then after the album finished, it went on to, you know, it goes on to a yeah, 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 Rob Zombie yeah. track. And then I sort of went back on a few and I was thinking, he's got some incredible songs, not just the Dragula, but even, um, you know, Mars Loves Women and, well, everyone's oh, fucking right. a UFO. Um, yeah. Well. But his, well, <laughs> well, karma. Um, but what a set list this is going to be now. Seven yeah. albums in, as well as the. The stuff like Thunder Kiss 65 from the yeah, White Zombie Yeah, throwing White Zombie. I mean, yeah, I agree 100%. And like, I was thinking before, again, before reviewing this, would I actually go to see Rob Zombie outside the confines of a festival headlining stop? I wasn't sure. But actually listening to this and hearing you say that, I think I definitely would now, um, especially like his stage show and his whole live set is such a wild ride, you know, it's like his films, that wild carnival circus of horror kind of house of a thousand calls is everything's is a visual feast as well as an, as an oral one. So, um, yeah, absolutely. I'm back on board much like I was for the last album. Yeah. And it's a shame that in England or Europe, he doesn't really play, um, his own shows like he'll do festivals but he'll i don't i've ne i don't think i've seen him perform or have a tour on 
on his own headline tour in the UK. I remember I had tickets in maybe like five or six years ago. Oh, I'm sorry, wrong. <laughs> but but actually, cancelled. No, but it cancelled. Something happened. The gigs got cancelled. So yeah, I I and I'm not sure he's been around since then. So yeah, I'd agree with that. They are sparing the uh, spare, but he, he is pretty regular on the festival circuit. Yeah, yeah, I think. true to say. Um, yeah, but the album, the album itself, it's 41 minutes long, which is textbook. We talk about length of albums. Um, and over those 41 minutes, like you said, it's got all the things that you love from Rob Zombie, from Hellbelly Deluxe, from The Sinister Urge, from the last album, all those, uh, Hellbelly Deluxe 2. Um, and it's just such a fun album to listen to. Yeah, for me, it's all about the variation. That's what I really like about it. Um, it has got those standard zombie tracks, that industrial stomp. It kicks off really nicely um, with the, the Triumph and the King Freak. But for me, you've got this like this track called A Talked of Metamorphosis, um, which is midway through on the on the on the on the side of the the can, it looks like another Ming interlude track is two minutes long. But it's actually this really soulful, sweet acoustic guitar solo from presumably from John Five. Yeah. And then it goes into uh, a very punky two minute tracks immediately following that. And that's a kind of juxtaposition you get on this album. And that's what for me keeps me interested. I don't think I would be interested in it if it's 40 minutes of industrial stompers, but I think he's got enough going on here and so many ideas floating around to keep it still pretty fresh and interesting. And also credit to John Five there, like you said, because he is actually, I don't know if underrated's the probably the term, underrated, unnoticed perhaps, but he can really play a guitar well. And you see him at, um, like when you see him play live, for example, he just looks so effortless when he's playing. Yeah, I think um, that's something I was going to say. I think he is having an increasing influence on the band. And before it was just a Rob Zombie vehicle, I think now he's having a much bigger influence. And his riffing, like you say, really can carry it. And I think he's got those big riffs, big metal riffs on like the King Freak, and particularly on the album Closer, which is one of my favourite tracks. But he has got that really sweet soloing that he had before, like on that track I mentioned before. Um, so yeah, I think I think his influence is growing, and that's only a good thing for me. Hundred percent. Like, long may it continue. Um, I think the the best track on this album for me, well, actually, it's not even close, is uh, "Get Loose," <laughs> which is when you we were talking about um, songs to go into the live set. This exactly as it sounds. The title "Get Loose" is just funky, typical Rob Zombie. Just sort of like, like you said, just gone in there, threw everything on camera, and said, "Right, I want to make a song that is going to be phenomenal live." And this "Get Loose" is it. I think it is my by miles the best uh, track on the album. I mean, it starts like for a Wherever I May Roam by Metallica, that really Eastern twangy guitar. It kicks into quite an industrial stomping, like with that get loose chorus. But then at the end, it, it, this is kind of what I was saying. It just switches up in that really funky ending. And you yeah. can imagine 
everyone shimmying in the aisles oh. to that. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's going to be great. It'll be good. I, for me, my favourite bit was the real, the centre point punch of this album, the one-two of the 18th century cannibals followed by the eternal struggles of a howling man. And yeah, I, I really liked the, um, the, the, the first one had that real country hellbilly style with a really frantic chorus of, of, uh, get on board the ghost train, really furious industrial, and it's a real stark kind of juxtaposition. And the second track is John Five really brings uh, commercial 80s metal riffs, like that Ozzy Osbourne solo style, Randy Rhodes style riffs. And yeah, I just think that's a bit faster, a bit more ur urgent. And again, it has that funk influence in it. I, just, I, I think it's got, it's got a lot to offer this album. As I say, when I when you said shall we interview, it, I was a bit, oh, yeah, I don't want to say anything bad about Rob Zombies, but so I'm delighted to be able to come on and and wholeheartedly recommend it. So, would you be really looking forward to the next album? Then I know this has only come out, but has this turned oh, you around? Would you say you're yeah. a fan now? Well, whereas previously yeah. you might have been a bystander. Yeah, it's a good question. I I would say the last album put me in the stool of a fan. I really like that last album. And so this album, I was a bit like, oh, will it be as good as that last one? Do you know, I'm not, I'm not sure. And I think what is quite good, it, it has been a few years since that last album came out. It's, it's let the dust well and truly settle and um, it built up the anticipation sufficiently. So yeah, I, I'd put myself in the fan category. Yeah. This has definitely taken my admiration for Rob Zombie up a notch, and uh, I look forward to going back over the old stuff as well, um, even some of the White Zombie stuff. I think this is the best Rob Zombie album, possibly, since Hellbilly Deluxe. I think it's brilliant. And well, I, go, go ahead, mate. Uh, go yeah, ahead. No, I, I'm, I'm giving it um, uh, an 8, a very high 8. Um, very good, my man. Yeah, that's me. For, for me, I really, like, I think all the things you're saying about this, I felt about the last album, and the last album really surprised me in terms of thinking, oh, just Rob Zombie, and then I really, I really liked that last album, got really fond memories of it. And for, so, in that respect, this isn't such a bold leap as that last album was. I've got a seven, but that is simply in reflection of that last album I'd have as an eight, so... So, yeah. Okay, very good. That is uh, Bobby Z, Rob Zombie, The Lunar Ejection, Kool-Aid Eclipse Conspiracy. And we move on to our next review, which is by a band called The Hyena Kill, and the album is called A Disconnect. This is um, the second album from the Manchester crew, and they also added two new band members on this album. Um, so I picked this, Benny. Um, it was getting a lot of attention. I heard a lot about it through press PRs and um, Twitter and things like that. And I thought, I know who'd like this, my <laughs> mate Venny. Um, so put it in your direction. And you, you, how did you find it? I, I really liked it. I yeah, I really liked it. And you're right. This is on the spectrum at the Joey and Benny axis. This is probably on my side of the spectrum. And so I was delighted to have you suggest this to to not only listen to but to review on the show so and, and i'm really interested to get 
your take on it. It, it is more up my street. Um, to try and describe the sound, I mean, I would call it a post-hardcore style of music. Um, certainly influences that come across strongly for me are a band called Thrice. I'm not sure if you've ever really been into them, but there's a strong Thrice and Thursday feel to this, that, po- that golden era of post-hardcore. Definitely a bit deaf tones, especially in the singing. Some of that kind of 80s synthy. Um, we talked about a lot on the show, um, that kind of Grave Pleasures and uh, the last Ulva album, that kind of, that, that late 80s dark synthy stuff. Um, so, so, so yeah, um, really interesting album and, and I'm quite interested to hear what you think of it, given it's not necessarily in your normal wheelhouse. No, it's not. Um, I think you covered most bases there. When I think of this album, or certainly if I was saying who who would you say they sound like it is Deftones 100% with the singing and to an extent Tool as well with their progressive uh, writing of the music um, and now Deftones aren't my anywhere near the top of my favourite bands um, if I was at a festival and someone else was playing over Deftones I'd go see the other band probably um, Elstorm uh, not Elstorm no <laughs> um, but you know what I mean. Like if there was someone, I do know what you mean. Um, I do know. What you mean. Um, I'd go see another band. Uh, Tool, I'm a I'm a fan of, not as much as you, obviously. Um, but what this album has, it has a lot of influences from all different genres. You mentioned post hardcore. There's post rock. There's rock. There's metal. Um, Svalbard sort of springs to mind when I think of stuff like this. This sort of. Um, um, music um, so I'll, I'll get my bit out of the way so when I heard the Deftones bit you know we often talk about um, you know bands being uh, not rip-offs that's not the right word but unshamedly like someone else and when I heard the Deftones thing I was it instantly put my back up because I was like well I'm not a fan of Deftones and this sounds too similar I'm looking for something a bit unique um, and that was after two listens and I sort of left it for a bit and then I came back to it and I actually gave it hundred percent attention with the headphones on. And after that, listen, I completely understood the hype for this band. Um, now I'm not going to say I will be playing this when I wake up first thing in the morning. Will I play it throughout the year? Yes. Will it be in my top 20 albums of the year? <laughs> Potentially. I, that's that's where I'm sitting with this. Um, wow. I mean, I'm delighted to hear you say all those things because it, I, it's very much not your usual no. um, genre or wheelhouse, however you wish to say it. So, I mean, I'm delighted that you've come round to that extent. I thought you were going to say what you're going to say and that was going to be a full stop. So to hear you kind of coming round to it is, is, is great to hear. What, what do you think sold it to you on repeated listens, what I think the length is important mm. for albums like this for me. Yeah. Um, I've all, we've always said like you know the perfect length is I think for you you said eight tracks. For yeah. me, when you're listening to progressive or alternative post rock, less than an hour is perfect. Oh, I think yeah. any more than yeah. it would do too much for me. But this album, yeah. it's not like it's just 
jam together. They've carefully thought out the songs and where they're going to go. But it just keeps me interested in the levels. There's some. There's a track on here, um, Thin, which I think is sort yeah. of... You can sort of... The way I look at it, you can sort of break this album in two. You've got like the first half and the second half. And the first half's good, um, but the second half really um, takes off for me. And when you get to... There's some brilliant tracks on here. Uh, Bleached, which is yeah. that sort of hardcore rock metal like two two and a half minutes I think it is like yeah in and out like bashes your head um and that's why it kept me interested with all the different changes and variety in the songs yeah i think the word is dynamics i think they've got yeah. great dynamics this band they go from they're, they're pretty expansive they go from quiet to loud they go from fast to slow i think that you've hit the nail on the head with that bit thin which is a soft kind of ballady very sad and somber and that goes into bleach which contrasts with that faster kind of post-hardcore sound with the faster punkier drums and in the whole album does that kind of ebb and flowing and that again same for me that that holds my interest i think if they had either one of those paces throughout, I, I don't think I'd have as much interest for it, but I love the dynamics and the, the ebb and flow of this album. Uh, I, I like, for me, I really like the the slower tracks. I like um, Thin. I like Maya, the track that it finishes with. I like, I mean, to be fair, especially on that last track, very Gino Moreno-esque vocals, especially the whispered um the whispered style vocal, um, but I, I really, I really liked it. And um, the thing, the last thing I kind of wanted to say about it is there was an album a few years ago which garnered a lot of critical praise by a band called um, Her Name Is Calla. Um, the, the the album's called Animal Choir. It garnered an awful lot of praise, and this album makes me feel a similar way to that album did i don't mean they necessarily sound like each other musically but they just make me feel a similar way they're both quite um sad somber this record yeah steve and dob who's the guitarist and vocalist has said like the album was written at a low point in his life and like He's, you know, the album has a sense of claustrophobia to it, and you can you can oh, feel that, yeah. that the way it starts. I actually had to check if I press play, but the way the oh. album starts, like uh, <laughs> that's a bit of a twatty way for it to open, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, um, but no, it is. It's a very um, up and down roller coaster emotions album. Um, mostly down for me. <laughs> mostly down, yeah. Mostly down, yeah. Um, so yeah, it is. It is. Um, that her name but, is Kala. Have you listened to yeah. that since no. download? <laughs> Do you want to quickly tell I mean, me? That's a slightly different thing. I, I mean, that album. I I was really like, it's one of those kind of. Oh, this, uh, I don't want this sound the wrong way. This kind of Stockholm syndrome, abusive relationships where like I I, um, it, I, I just kept going back listening to it not necessarily knowing why or not really like loving or enjoying it but just there was something about it that just kept this darkness that just kept drawing me back into it and and i feel the same about this album that i don't love it 
Juno, but I keep wanting, there's just something that makes me want to keep listening to it, which is an amazing achievement in itself, you know. There some, must be something subliminally about it that, make, that draws me back into it. And I felt the same about the, that her name is Cala record. I didn't really like it. Like, it was getting a lot of great reviews at the time. I didn't feel the same way as the reviewers did, but I just kept going back. And the, the kind of icing on the cake um, was when we were coming back from the festival and we were all just, re- do you know, the post-festival blues, the slight anxiety from three days of drinking and a sudden withdrawal from alcohol from the system, that kind of real horrible edginess of about to take a flight that you don't know is it going to be on time or not, or it's going to crash or not. And just, you put that on in the car on the way back. And I just hate it. In the the camper van. Not even a car, you know, a fucking box on wheels going down the motorway at 7.30 in the morning. And since then, I've not been able to listen to it. That just tipped me over my existential crisis that morning. And I just, and we actually uh, tweeted the band and said, guys, incredible <laughs> achievement on the album, but I, ca- I cannot listen to it after uh, it got played at that very low point in my life. And the band were like, oh, thanks, lads. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We've been there. <laughs> yeah, I think it was. Yeah, we've all been there. <laughs> um, anyway, look, come back to this album. The, uh, the plus for me is they're British. Always been yes. a fan of that British. Um, they're. I'm not sure what label they're on, but I know it's not a big label. But you know what they've created, obviously, is something that has taken this post. I call it the post sort of um, holy raw that era of those bands, you know, like Svalbard, Conjurer, Palm Reader into that, and they've created something that I think will stand the test of time for a long, long time in that um, area. And I think specifically live, this would be a very powerful album to be played live. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it'd be a very emotional experience to be to be honest. Mm. Um. Well, this is this is more up your street. So you you fire away first. What what's your what are you thinking on this one? I find these records really hard to review. It's same for her name is Kala. Not that we were reviewing on the show, but I I found that almost impossible to to rate for the for that reason. I I don't I don't love the record, but it just anyway. So I've gone for a seven. That could fluctuate on any given day between like four to to a nine do you know but i've yeah. gone for a seven as a as a fair representation of it but i i mean could this appear in the albums my albums yeah this for, for sure it could but um i just find it really hard to stick a number on this one yeah um i've gone seven as well straight down the line uh, it's not my usual cup of tea but this really has caught my album caught my attention for whatever reason and usually i wouldn't go for this sort of stuff we talked about the Svalbard album last year, was it? Or this year? Last year, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that didn't do anything for me. As I said, Deftones wouldn't be my favourite band ever. But this really... And I don't know whether it is the fact of it's um, sort of has an emotional feel to it, whether it's, it's drawn me to it or not. 
Yeah, Is there some I mean, little sort of bursts in there, maybe or something. I don't maybe know. we should play it backwards and see. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I mean, also we've said it a few times over the last twelve months of recording. Do you know there are certain albums that chime in the coronavirus era? You mm. know, the social isolation, the general monotony of life. Do you know there are certain albums that chime, and this one for me chimes for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so that was the hyena kill at disconnect. Definitely give that a listen. Um, totally worth your time. And so we move on to our deep cuts. And this week we are going in on Skin Dreads and their album Babylon. This oh, I cannot wait to talk about this. Um, so Skin Dread were born out of an old band called Dub War, um, who are in the Newport area. And interestingly enough. Uh, Dub War was signed to Earache at the time and I think Earache put some pressure on them or something and, and they basically cut ties. And now Skindred have signed back to Earache, Earache label. Oh, right. <laughs> Earache rec- record, sorry. Um, so it's come full circle there. But we're of course talking about Skindred. Um, and they're, as Benji, the lead singer, described at the time, new reggae metal. And I think that fits perfectly, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I was reading somewhere a review of this and it was like 100% hitting the nail on the head for me of this is the type of music that new metal fans listen to when they go to the beach. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, that, <laughs> I think I've actually fallen into that cliche myself. But uh, yeah, it hit the nail on the head for me. Um, Skin Dreads, they started in 1998 and... It's safe to say, Benny, we've seen this band grow um, from their infancy. We, I remember, I can't remember what the name of the place is called now. Uh, is it the Villa or was it the Villa in Bournemouth? Could have been. That club opposite the train station. But anyway, yeah. um, I remember seeing Skin Dread in there and I'd say there was maybe I don't know, 50 people. Were you there then? Yeah, I've, I think I saw, there was a period in my life in the early 2000s. Every Saturday. I think, yeah, I saw Skindred so many times. They were supporting every band, supporting every big band, you know. I think I saw them several times in the Astoria, the LA2, supporting like the likes of Disturbed in, the, in that first album, supporting Soulfly. So, yeah, there was a period of, I seemed to see them every week. And, uh, yeah, that was in the very early days of Benji coming on stage full of energy with this old school World War Two siren, uh, air oh. siren, cranking it up. Oh, in this yeah, tiny club, it was so loud. Yeah. But, um, yeah, mm. I, that was probably, I think, when we, we must have been students, I think. It was a fiver in or something like that. Um, but then, like, yeah, like you say, you've seen them. I probably saw them support someone in London. Uh, I think I did. I see them in Cardiff when I was at uni, probably. Um, and then I th- I think after maybe <laughs> a few years of realizing this music is not really for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, no, uh, so just they sort of dropped off, and then saw them. At, um, obviously, download. They're pretty much a resident Stable. on the main stage, mm-hmm. aren't they? These days, like uh, Rob Zombie on the second stage. Um, but this album came out around that time of um, 
sort of landmine street, landmine, landmine spring, uh, vacant stare, earth tone nine, those sort of bands, didn't it? Yeah, early two thousands when the whole world was on the new metal train, but actually the vast majority of new metal acts were from the US. We rarely saw a lot of the big bands. I remember Corn barely came to the UK, Limp Biscuit barely came to UK. So to have some UK bands was really great, do you know? Um, maybe less said about Lost Profits a better, but do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like there weren't a load of big UK bands like there is now. Like we've got Bring the Me the Rise and we've got Architects, we've got bands that can pull the punches with the best, you know. But back then we didn't so much, and that's why we'd be seeing Skin Dread with 50 other folk in Bournemouth, do you know? So so yeah, it was very much in the underground, but they transcended that. They they certainly did. Um this album, I hadn't listened to this album, and I can't remember why I suggested this. I, I, to say to do this as a deep cut, I can't remember why, but I haven't listened to this album for, I would probably say ten years plus, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely heard the singles yeah. played in various forums, but um, yeah, I've not listened to the album, and it's worth saying, like, um, the album was released in two thousand and two, but I just remember we, and I would say we as a bunch of mates, we loved, we absolutely loved this album when it came out. We played it to death and we kept playing it. We saw them live. We loved it. And um, my memory is like, we're really keen for new skin dread music, but all they did was just keep re-releasing this album multiple times. And they'd like, they'd like get a bit more success and then re-release it again. And then, get a bit more success and re-release it with a few different tracks. And and the, the version that's on Spotify now that we've gone back to listen to is, is seems to me very different to the album that I remember. So that is the kind of context of it. That I, we listen probably to version 1.0, um, but there have been a few iterations of it over the years. Yeah, it was, it was re-issued and then re-released, I think. Like yeah. so, they added a few, like like you said, a few Ming tracks on here. The interlude one, two, three, four. Um, but anyway, yeah, I had listened to this for about ten years, and I remember, and I text you, I was having a, I had a shit day, and the whole sort of, you know, the lockdown and the monotony of life, you know, was getting on to me, and I just felt I had a really shit day at work, and um, I was going down to pick the kids up from crash, and I thought, right, I'll, I'll throw it on. And this honestly lifted my mood so much hearing this album again, whether it was a nostalgic thing or something like that. But honestly, listening to Nobody and Pressure, while it was just such a lift to my mood. And I think, do you know when you have, like, some people wake up, if they're in a bad mood, they'll put on, I don't know, black metal or something like that. Like I think you do. But I think if I'm in if I'm in a need for a boost, this is the album I'm gonna go to from now on. Because Good. It is um I don't want to say it's funky, it's uplifting. Um musically I think even today it still stands a good test of time. The riffs the riffs on it are bloody heavy from what I from what I can remember. Um and I think it's just a really good 
piece of music that one is nostalgic for us all. Of course. But, but two, it has stood the test of time in this, this new metal era. Yeah, I mean, look, it came out at a perfect time in the new metal era. It, it came out at a time when metal was in a funny place, you know, there was, you know, rap metal was a thing, new metal was a thing. Everyone was quite open to the idea of different styles of music being put together. And so for a ragga metal project, it didn't seem like a wild kind of, it didn't seem like that odder thing to be happening. Like, can you imagine this trying to be a thing in the 80s with thrash metal? No. Or, do you know, like, it didn't seem so odd. It is quite a, and it is a very refreshing, original kind of um, style, do you know? And I think that's why it stands up pretty well, is it maybe hasn't been dated as badly as a lot of new, true new metal music in the true music in that you know that all sounds very much of an era whereas i think this was a bit different a bit fresher it wasn't just standard new metal it had some it definitely has some new metal tropes to it but it, it isn't new metal in it in all of itself so um yeah i i mean i i agree i mean i think it does stand the test of time i think it does sound good when you stick it on now and I don't, I mean, at the time it was very, very unique, this whole rap, uh, reggae metal. And I've been trying to think all week while we've been uh, talking about this, I can't think of any band that's come along and done something like that from then until now. If I, you know, you have, like you said, Limp Bizkit have the rap metal, Mushroom Head to an extent, their, their album was a bit rap metal as well. But I can't think of any band that has come and done this. And I could be wrong, but that's all I've been thinking all week. Yeah, but because it is such an origi original thing that I think if anyone came along, then people would be like, uh, it's a bit of a rip-off, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I what I loved about listening to this is, like, there are certain tracks on it that you have heard, like, lots of singles that I have heard in the last, like, 15 years. Um, but there are a few of the deeper cuts that I've just loved that I've not heard in all that time that I've just loved hearing like I loved hearing The Fear it yeah. might be my favourite track on the album yeah. and what I love about it is like a lot of the music is more if you have the two ingredients has more metal than it has reggae on it whereas The Fear definitely is a much more melodic, softer, cooler track. Like, I absolutely love that. The Root Boys are coming. I just <laughs> love it. I love uh, to listen to that. Like, Bruises as well, which I forgot about. Like, Bruises has is a really heavy song. It's possibly the heaviest in the album, I think. Um, and it takes me back to that, as mentioned at the start, the Landmine Spring sort of era with the riffs and how they combined the two. But at the same time, you know, some people probably at the time thought, ah, oh, you know, reggae is a bit of a, a joke mix of metal. But Benji can really do both styles. When he wants to do a metal scream, he has a metal voice and he combines yeah, the I've two so well. Yeah, only on bruises, like, they've got a real mm, Sepultura, Soulfly riff on that. 
and I've written down that 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 harsh vocal from Benji was really good. He's got a really cool wobble vocal on that track as well. Like I think you're right. He is. I mean, I think Skindred are very much a band. I think the the guys like um, Mikey Demos and Aria who joined the band, who you know they weren't in Dub War. They were they were the, the guys that came on board to make Skindred. Now I think they do they're an important part of the band but benji is a mvp without a doubt like, oh yeah his vocal just just makes them into a totally original proposition but the way he can brap as well as putting metal over the top combine the two together is brilliant um there's so many good tracks in this album like i think there's at least six or seven of the tracks that just get me so pumped like pressure World Doc, like, and it's funny because when I say the names of them in my head, I instantly know the song. Do you yeah. know how, like, nobody, you know the chorus and you know how good yeah. it is. Pressure, um, Selector, which is yeah. they're just such, so much fun. And it, yeah. And like, I like, I love, I mean, I, you keep going, like, set it off, I really like. And that, for me, is the most dub war of the tracks. It's got that drum and bass stylings on it like it it's a very cool track uh, babylon as well the title track i think that's a really important track like i think some of the which i don't think he's done so much of but like there's a bit of uh, jonathan davis kind of um scatting on there that benji does a bit but I, which i don't i think he maybe got a bit criticized for at the time of slightly ripping off Jonathan Davis from Corn, But um, yeah, I think it wasn't needed because he's already such an original proposition in himself. He doesn't need to sound like anyone else. He doesn't need to copy anyone else. He's got enough of his own kind of personality. But yeah, I think mean, Babylon's really, like, I love that play with fire, musket burn. I, I think that's very yeah. cool. It's very cool. It's, it's, um, they have gone on to become a a fairly big band haven't they in the UK and certainly in the UK they've gone on to be I mean could you imagine when we saw them in um the villa or whatever for them to be as big as they are now yeah I mean this brings me on to a question that I had written down to ask you is it asking dread an appropriate size band in 2021 now as in, are they a big enough band? Are they too big? Are they too small, even? It's funny because I think in the UK, they have really, for some reason, caught on. And like, if you look at downloads, that is packed, like almost full at downloads when they're playing. Um, and I think that's probably because they're British and they're a bit different. I don't really know too much about them in the States. Um, I would imagine the states they're not as big, but to come back to your question: Are they right sized? I think they're probably bigger than they should be. <laughs> yeah, it's difficult. I, I mean, I'm not going to stand here and say that I know a lot about their more recent albums. Um, uh, by the time actually they released their follow up album to this in 2007, I basically you know, not really, I lost interest a little bit. 
which is a shame. So I think if they followed this album up quite soon after, 2004 or five, I think they might have capitalised a bit more on the momentum they got from it. But by 2007, I've dropped out Skin Dread and I've never really clocked back in. Other than hearing the odd single wherever on the radio or whatnot, which is a shame. I think festivals that do command a big crowd and a high, a comparatively high slot. But actually, I think if they were to tour the UK, the actual venues they play wouldn't be huge. Yeah, um, sorry, I see what you mean now. Yeah, would they be fill it? I mean, so I, I mean, so I don't know is the answer. It's hard to gauge what size of band they are. I, I think they are prob- they probably do well enough and have done well enough in that era of the early two thousands to be a professional band, but probably don't live that comfortably. I don't, I don't know. I'm just speculating. And, and I think it's an interesting point for me. Like how big a band are they? And is that, are they about right? Or are they, could they be bigger? Should they actually be small? I, I don't know is the answer. And it's probably yeah. off the point a little bit. Sorry. I, I, I see where you're coming from there, but um, like you see them, you know, at downloads taking a, a huge crowd. They certainly wouldn't sell out Wembley on their own and oh, bring that crowd no. in. Um, would they be? Would they sell out? They probably would sell out academy venues. Like I'm just thinking of mm. uh, yeah. the, the O2 in Bournemouth, for example. Um, they probably sell out Dublin Academy here. I think probably the next size venue might be a bit of a push for them. Um, but yeah, I mean they haven't done anything for a while. Are they living comfortably? Who knows? I, I mean, they are highly regarded in the metal world i think you know a lot of journalists are a big fan of them whether that's just the fact that they're bloody nice guys i don't know yeah i'm just having a look i think they are at kind of academy size venues more or less um but yeah i mean they t- they tour pretty widely around they tour often wide widely around the uk which i just i don't know um if that's a good thing or a bad thing um maybe over the year do you know they may be have overexposed themselves i don't know but um yeah it's interesting the second follow-up question is have you ever really gone in on any of their records since then if they were to release a record next month or next year would you be psyched about it would we review it on here uh to answer your first question no i haven't listened to anything since um babylon and two, would I listen to something that was released next month? <sighs> Probably not, to be honest. Uh, like, That's, yeah. I uh, to be honest, I wonder if the metal world feels like that about Skin Dread, which is a shame. But I do wonder if that is the jet prevailing feeling towards them, you know, of a deep nostalgic love and love all of the guys because they're bloody good guys. Love Benji is a great personality and an original voice in the scene. But actually, are we invested in new stuff? I don't, I mean, yeah, I just wonder if that's the prevailing of, of thoughts of them. I don't, I don't know. I'm speculating. Yeah, I, no, I, I, I don't think I would. Um, I, no disrespect to the band. But I mean, since where we were listening to stuff in 2000 of that new metal era of um, Slipknot, all the that stuff, even you and I now 
have matured in our listening if that makes sense we you know we're not following as intensely like any new metal that's coming out Slipknot would get a good um you know you'd obviously follow that but any other stuff you know there's so much more stuff to find now that keeps me more interested yeah like a new corn album for example yeah perfect example that's it yeah you're right you're right mate um yeah, let's not end on the downer though, because this is it was great fun listening to this. I've got such vivid memory, do you know, that reading that little quip about what metal bands listen to at the beach, I've got such brilliant <laughs> memories of driving to the beach in Kimbridge Bay in Dorset where you can do some brilliant snorkeling and listening to that album, everyone knows every single word of every single track. Just at the at that age, sixteen years old, you know, your whole life's ahead of you. I just I've got such a warm place in my heart for this album. And yeah, I think I what I loved was just listening to some of those deep cuts on here that I haven't heard in years and just it bringing it all back, loving it. One hundred percent. This like I said, it, it lifted my mood so much that listening to this album and countless times in whoever's car we were in whether it be driving down to Paul Key, windows down, blaring this out, um, driving up Huntick or just all those things. It was a proper summer album. And do you know what, actually, this would be a good album to have on uh, around a fire pit or around the vans at download before the new metal disco, throw this on a few few beers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's, It's brilliant. And look, all of the other stuff aside, this is definitely one of my. Well, if I had a top twenty album of my youth, this is well up there. Well up there, yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, I, and I, I also think, like we've been, I think we've said in so many words, like it's not just a nostalgic thing. Um, I think this is actually genuinely a really good album. Listening to it back, yeah. I mean, it does stand the test of time. I mean, it doesn't sound dated like a lot of that new metal stuff does. Like, what did we review on here? Or the deep cut was it Spine Shank or something? And that yeah. just sounded so of its time, you yeah. know. Whereas this, this does still sound really fresh. And like, what better compliment can you give it than that? All these years on. Yeah. So next time they're at download, we can go and see them play just these tracks from this album because <laughs> we won't know any others. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah no, great. I, 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 I enjoyed revisiting that one. Um, that was a really good, sorry, <laughs> sound arrogant, really good <laughs> shout. <laughs> um, Thank you to myself to, for to that blow really my own trumpet. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really enjoyed going back on that one. Um, so that was Skindred and the album's Babylon. I would, if you really, and I am actually going to do this, I'm going to buy the original CD. Um, yeah, the black cover, yeah. the black cover with yeah. the speaker on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For yeah. Sure. I'm gonna buy it so I can actually, because um, if you listen to it on Spotify, you're not gonna feel the same sort of love that we did. Um, but still, exactly. good, good to listen to. Um, so that was Skin Dread Babylon. So we will see you next week. All going well. Um, thank you. And oh, sorry, we're on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Heavy underscore matters. We'll catch you next week. Much love.